Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. And we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. And be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. Amen. Nowhere does it talk about what we're going through. Nowhere does it describe, hey, what is your situation like before you come before the Lord? No, it, it just talks about what we should do to get into the presence of God because of who he is and how great he is and how good he is. Amen. To, to make a joyful noise, that doesn't mean if you're in a bad time, you still make a joyful noise. If you're on the mountaintop, you're still going to make a joyful noise. We're going to sing and serve with gladness. Amen. Because he is good and he deserves our praise. Amen. So I want to preach to you today from this title, Entering In, Entering In. Greet a few people today as you're seated today. Amen. Every, every place that you and I go, whether it's for a visit or for business or shopping or slumber, every place has built into it a, a way to access it, a, a way to get there, to get in there. Otherwise, we wouldn't be going to a said place if we could not get in. And don't you just love driving up to a place, a restaurant or a store, and you've, you, you've got your list ready to shop, and, and uh, you've been craving that place, that restaurant or whatever, all day long, and you pull in, and for some whatever reason, it says it's closed. It's kind of like every Sunday when you want Chick-fil-A, right? Where, do you, where should we go eat? That's always a good place, but hey, God bless them for closing on Sundays, and I know he does. Um, and so the, the front door of it, the access point, uh, it's entryway. The doors are closed and they are locked and you can't get in. But have you ever thought about walking around to the side of the building or going in the back or try walking in another way? Say, hey, I want to get in. There are formal entryways and there are informal ones. Uh, side doors or back doors where employees or workers can enter in where they don't uh, go through the main door. But for everybody else, there is only one way in, and that is through the front door, the entryway. Uh, this one truth uh, of, of only one access point is also uh, true in the kingdom of God because there is only one way into the kingdom of God. There is only one way to be saved and there is only one way to heaven. Anyone believe that with me today? 
John 10 and 9 says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And so the plan of Jesus, the, the plan of salvation begins with Jesus as he declares that he is the door and only he can let you in. And faith in Jesus Christ is the only way in. John 10 and 1 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, uh, the same is a thief and a robber. And so there isn't another way into this. People will say that uh, all religions are the same or all roads lead to heaven. That is not what Jesus said. He said that there is one way, there's only one door, and he is the door to the sheepfold, to the pasture. There's only one way in, and that is through Jesus Christ. People believe and try other ways. But Jesus already described them as thieves and robbers. And so what do you think Jesus is going to do to them? Matthew 7 and 13, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many bear be there go which they're in at. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few be there that find it. And so... Jesus is telling us that there will be many people that attempt to enter into the kingdom of God by another way, by beating on a side door or trying to sneak around some other back door. Well, there is no need to do that because just go through the entryway and you find out what you need to do to enter into the kingdom of God. It's not like it's a secret or anything. God wants all to be saved and all to come to repentance, and so he's not going to have the access into heaven, a, a secret way to get in. Amen. It's, it's not a members-only club because if you want in, uh, you can get in because 2 Peter tells us the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so the truth is, is that Jesus wants everyone to come in, to enter in. He wants everyone to enter and to be saved. But you've got to come through the right way and through the entryway. And what sign is posted at the entryway, at the doors? It is John 3 and 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so that seems like there's only one way in, and that is you must be born again. You must be born of the water and of the Spirit. And so this was posted at the entryway of the kingdom of God. And so when the church was established, and had its beginning in its ribbon-cutting ceremony, Peter stands up, and he goes to the door, front door of the church, and he goes to the entryway, and he greets the crowd that is outside on the streets. And this is what he says in Acts 2.38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repentance and born of the water and born of the Spirit, that is the way into the kingdom of God. 
And the Bible tells us that some 3,000 souls responded and said, I want to enter in, I want to go and to be saved, and I want to do that. And so they did that. And so they went inside, and they, they repented of their sins, and they baptized in Jesus' name, and they filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, but what people do is, is they, they see that, and they say, oh, let me see if there is another way in, because I don't really want to go in that way. And, and they'll go, and they'll pull uh, this scripture up, or they'll pull this one up, and they'll skip over that, and they say, ah, we, we've made our own key to get into the kingdom, and, and they think that they're in, but they're really, they're not in. They're in some other pasture because there is only one way into the kingdom, and that is you must be born again. You must be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives us utterance. Because we know that the Bible says that there is only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And there's only one gospel that saves. And it's all centered around Jesus Christ and his word. And I'm thankful that Jesus led me to that door, that, that opportunity. He gave me the opportunity to be born again. And I'm sure you're grateful too because living any other way is not really living at all. And man, where I thought I was living was not a good place. Its waters were polluted. Its grass was actually dead. It was just kind of spray painted green. I thought it was a, a, a good life, but there was no peace there. There is no peace for my weary and rest, rest for my soul. But oh, once I passed through that entryway, once I came through an apostolic church and found an altar, and I passed through the waters of baptism, I knew that there was no other place like this place on earth. There's no place like the kingdom of God, because in his presence there is fullness of joy. There is peace here that passes all understanding here in this place. There's rest for the weary soul. There's rivers of living water. There's bread of life here. Everything that you need is found here in the kingdom of God. There's no need to go searching elsewhere or go find another way of happiness. Right here is where we are. Right here is where we need to be and where God wants us to be. Amen. There's no other place like this pasture in the kingdom of God. And I'm thankful to be here. And in these last days, I don't want to be anywhere else but in here in the safety, in the strong tower of his church, hiding in the shadow of the almighty God. There's no other place. There's no other name that I want to be hiding behind than the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Every home has an entryway and Every home has a front door, and once you step inside that door, amen, that is where you are greeted. You're greeted by the home itself, greeted by the living room or the entryway room or whatever, however many rooms you have. You're greeted by the occupants of the home. And the time that is spent in the entryway and the experience that you have there will, will kind of set the stage for uh, what the rest of the time is going to be like. If it's a pleasant time and, and, and a pleasant greeting, then it's going to be a pleasant time. But if it's not so pleasant, and then it's, uh, you'll be looking at your watch and saying, when can we rush out of here and break free from this place? And so this is how our homes are today, but that is how 
that is how entire cities were back then. There was an entryway into the city, one way in, one formal way in, and that was through the front door, the gate of the city, if you will. And cities, they had walls that were built around them for safety to keep the enemy out. And a city with no walls was just a city that was waiting to be conquered and to be invaded and overtaken by an army. If the city had walls, then it would delay any kind of invasion. It would fend off the enemy. It would provide a safe place, a safe haven for those that were inside um, therefore, you can't get through the walls, and so the only way in would be through the, the, the gate of the city. And so this is why Nehemiah broke down when he found out the report of the condition of Jerusalem and its walls and gates. We see Nehemiah 1 and 3, and they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. It came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You see, there are people that have returned from the captivity. There is a remnant of survivors, but uh, things aren't going too well. And Nehemiah knew that without walls and without gates, the survival of Jerusalem would be very slim. Because anybody, any uh, marauding army can just come in and, and just walk right in and take over the place. And so uh, that is why he set out to oversee the rebuilding of the walls and gates so that it would be protected and saved from the attack of any kind of enemy. And as we know, Jerusalem had been destroyed, but God was going to use Nehemiah to restore uh, the gates and the walls and to restore the city and the building of it. And so let me just pause here and say that there may be some things that the enemy may have torn down in your life, have destroyed, uh, or maybe because you let your guard down and the enemy just came right in because you left the door wide open, Maybe because we stopped guarding the walls or start, stopped guarding the gates in our life. And when we do that, the enemy can come in and wreak havoc in our life. And, and then he'll pour some guilt and shame and condemnation saying that you're a, you're a failure and you're no good in God. And, and you should just quit and stop going. Well, I'm here to tell you to, to rebuke the voice of the enemy today and declare that God wants to restore some things in some people's lives today. He wants to restore your joy, restore the walls, restore your gates, restore your calling, restore your commitment, uh, heal that brokenness. God wants to give somebody the oil of joy for mourning and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why? Because that's what that God has not given us. He's given us the a, a, garment of praise to, to sing and rejoice and to, to make a, a joyful noise in the Lord. Amen. We're not going to go around hanging our head down. No, we are the people of God. We have been given victory. We have been given authority in our life, and we're not going to allow the enemy in and to destroy things. No, we're going to restore things today in our life and in our homes and in our soul, rebuild any kind of brokenness or walls or gates that are torn down. Amen. Because once we get... Uh, 
casual and complacent, we stop watching. We stop looking out. We stop uh, sensing where might the enemy come in and attack. And so uh, Satan is not just going to sit idly by as you build uh, stronger walls of separation from this world. He's not going to make it easier for you to rebuild or restore anything that God uh, has spoken into your life. No, you're going to have to be uh, build up your calling. You're going to have to rebuild those things in your life with one hand holding on to a weapon and the other hand uh, worshiping God just as Nehemiah did. Nehemiah 14 and 7, he says, They build it on the wall. And they that bear burdens with those that laid it, and every one uh, of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one had a sword girded by his side, and so he built it. And so they were trying to build and restore what they were doing, but in the other hand, they were ready to fight uh, the enemy, any kind of enemy that's going to come back. Hey, we've got to be ready at a moment's notice. We've got to have the swords in our hand, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, ready to attack. And, and if we are going to rebuild anything in the kingdom of God, we're going to have to pursue after righteousness, after godliness, after holiness. Those are the things that we pursue after. And it's not going to get done if you're working with one hand while uh, it's only going to get done while working with one hand and holding your weapon in the other hand. And the only weapon that we have is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so that's how we fight our enemies. That's how we build and rebuild the things of God in our lives. We've got to be willing to fight for any progress that we make, any forward progress that we want to go. If you want to go deeper level in God, it's going to, have, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you a sacrifice, but you've got to be willing to push back the enemy because the enemy's not going to give up territory just like that. He's going to put up some resistance, put up a fight, but I'm here to tell you that we have the victory in Jesus' name. We have the victory. We have the authority and power in God. Because Psalms 149 and 6 says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hands. And saints of God, saints of the Most High, we are to be walking around with the high praises of God in our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hand. We're not praising our enemy. We're not praising our problems. No, we're praising our God because he is able to bring us through whatever that we're facing. We're not going to build up the enemy or build up how bad we have it. No, we're going to continue to build up our God because he can do anything. Amen. All things are possible with God. And so at the gate of the city was where the elders would sit and they would meet and, and conduct business and uh, uh, the city council, all those kind of things. Uh, this is not new to us. And there they would uh, conduct all those matters. And when a foreigner would come and visit, uh, they would be greeted by uh, the people at the gate. And the elders knew who belonged in the city and who didn't. And so how is it that when Joshua went to the spies in Jericho, how is it that the king of Jericho knew to go to Rahab's house and ask her where the visitors were? Because the, king's, the king knows who comes in and who goes out. Uh, and so they had to go through the gates of Jericho to get in. And so they had, uh, they must have had on some Hawaiian shirts and some sunscreen and uh, 
you know, some tourist, uh, touristy looking things because they can tell these people aren't from here. They just kind of stick out. And so uh, you can tell everything about the city by uh, its entrance, its gate. Whatever you experience at the gate is going to give you an idea what the city is going to be like. If the people there at the entryway are rude and dismissive, then you'll probably find more of that inside. If the, if the elders were kind and friendly, then you'll probably find more of that inside uh, friendliness. And so uh, I'm here to tell you that you are the elder to the gate of your soul. You are the one that is supposed to be there at the front door of your life, uh, the front door of your soul. You are in charge of what comes in your life or what comes in your home and what goes out. You sit there and you make the decisions for your life. There isn't anybody that knows more about your heart and soul than you do because you're the one who sits at the gate. You're the one who sits there. And the experience that people get and they feel from you is going to be a reflection of what's going on on the inside. The condition of your life, the condition of your soul, if they experience anger from you, bitterness, if they experience jealousy or envy or any kinds of these things, then there's probably more of it inside. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And out of our, all of our actions are coming from what's on the inside. And so uh, if, if people greet you or they have uh, something going on in their life and you can just tell, then, hey, there's, there's more of it on the inside that needs to get worked on. Uh, because there's more where that comes from. Uh, and so as, as the elder uh, that sits at the gate of my soul, I am responsible for my life, my actions. You are responsible for your life and your actions. And everything that comes into your home and everything that goes out of your home, you can't blame anybody else but you. We are the ones who have the key to the door Amen, unless we give that key to somebody else. But again, that's your fault uh, for giving the, the access to somebody else. If there are things that are in your life that are not pleasing, that are not good, then you need to figure out how they got in. Because they only get through you as the gatekeeper uh, of your life. And so having said that, what does Jesus encounter when he comes to our door? When it comes to our gate. Because he does come to every one of our hearts. Every day he'll come and he'll assess what's going on. And do we make him feel welcomed every day? Do we greet him with thanksgiving and praise as we are commanded to do? Or do we close the gate and say, you're not welcome today. No visitors allowed. When that happens, obviously, you're probably trying to hide something from God, which is futile in its entirety because God knows everything, doesn't he? But yet even God will just stand at the door and knock, and, and if we will come and open it, he will come in. And so he's just not going to bust through the gates and kick them down and say, I am the Lord and I'm coming into your life anyways. No. He gives you the keys. You're the one in charge of the gate in your life. You control what comes in and comes out. And you, you create the environment that it visitors encounter at your gate. And if you don't want Jesus in your life, that's fine. He's, he's like, he won't bust in. 
But if I possess the gate, then I'm going to make sure that Jesus is going to be welcomed at any time. And actually, I'll give him a copy of the key and say, you can come in any time, right? Uh, that's what uh, a healthy uh, uh, life with God is going to be, that he comes in and all the time, like, like he did in the, the Garden of Eden where the Spirit of God would come down in the cool of the day and the voice God would, of God would walk with Adam and Eve. Uh, that's what it sounds like, the picture of, of a healthy relationship with God and his children where he can just come in anytime he wants and we stop everything we're doing and we come and spend time with our Lord and Savior and then he can ask any kind of questions. But how do we do that? How, we, how do we invite him in? Uh, Psalms 104, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, and be thankful unto him, and bless his name. If thanksgiving is found at your gate, if praise is upon your lips, and you are blessing the name, you are lifting up the name of Jesus, then Jesus is going to say, hey, I like this place. I feel welcome in this place. I'm going to keep on coming in. I like it. I, wanna, I don't want to just visit. I want to dwell in this place. Because the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. So anytime we need Jesus to come on in, all we got to do is just start uh, singing praises unto God, making a joyful noise unto the Lord, and God's going to be coming in. Why? Because we're inviting him. We're opening up the door to our soul and making him feel welcome. If you remove all the violence and all the distractions in our life and we purge ourselves of repentance, uh, then uh, the walls in your life become uh, uh, that much more valuable because we understand how uh, what God has done for us and the salvation that he's poured out in our lives. Uh, Isaiah 60 and 18 says, Violence shall no more be heard in thy land and wasting nor destruction within thy borders, but thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. And so the walls in your life will become the salvation of God, and the gate of your soul is going to be called praise. And so the king of glory is going to come into your life through the gates of praise and thanksgiving, and he's going to enter into your heart and your life, and your gates and your home and your soul will be a place that God loves because we are welcoming him in with open arms and an open heart. Psalms 24 and 7 says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting door. The King of glory shall come in. And so you've got to lift up the name of Jesus. Uh, if you want him to come into your life, you've got to start singing praise and say, God, you are worthy. You are welcome in this place. I want you to come into my life, and I need you more than ever before. I don't want to close anything off. I don't want, your, I don't want you to... So turn your back on me, but I need your life, uh, your blessings in my life. And that comes through opening ourselves up and being obedient to the word of God. And so the king of glory shall come in uh, into your life if you give him praise and you submit to him. That's what I want in my life. I want the king of glory to come into my life. If I control what comes in and out of my gate, then I need to do everything that I can to make sure the king of glory comes into my life and not only just pays a short visit, but that he can stay as long as he wants 
Because anytime God is here in our life, that's the best time that we can have. We don't want him to leave us. We know he will not leave us or forsake us, but we got to keep him there through our praise and our worship and our adoration and our submission to his word and his life. And then God will find a comfortable place there because we are uh, obedient and submissive in everything uh, that he's asked us to do. And so if the only way in and out of a city is through its gates, uh, then the survival of the city really is determined about the gates. And we are at the, the gate of our life, and so the survival of our soul depends on you and I. The Bible says to work out your own salvation. We can't blame anybody else. We are the ones who have to decide what comes in our life, what comes into our home and, and city. We can't blame anybody else. And so uh, fresh food must be brought in through the gates. And fresh delivery of water must keep coming in through the gates of our life in order to sustain that city. And so all the supplies uh, will come in through uh, its gates. And so that is why. The elders sat at the gate and they controlled it because it was crucial to the survival of that city. And the same is for you and I. It is crucial to our life and our soul and our, uh, our destiny and where we're going to spend eternity. It's that crucial. But what we allow into our life and what we allow into our home, uh, it's either going to bring in poison or it's going to bring in blessing and abundance and, and righteousness. Uh, I don't know about you, but we need to look through the li things in our life and our soul and our home and go around and say, is this going to bless God? Is God pleased with all of these things? Because I'm the one who controls what comes in and out of my soul and my life. And so I'm the one responsible for what is in my home in my life. You may be in a bad place or a bad environment and uh, you do your best to get out of it, but uh, we are ultimately in control of what we're going to allow in to our life and our home. And so uh, that is why if we ever get complacent in our life and our walk, just because we show up to church every week doesn't mean that uh, we can still be half backslid and halfway out the door if we're not being watchful on the wall and watchful at the gate and, and waking up and saying, what's coming in? What's trying to get into my home? What's trying to get into my family? What, are the, what kind of spirits are trying to attack me in my home? If we're not on the active and looking out, then we may not know what is coming in and trying to attack. Musicians, if you would come. And so that we are the one that controls the gate of our life. And we determine whether we will survive or we will suffer by our gates. Flourish or fail will be decided at its gates. And when Jesus was crucified on the cross, he breathed his last breath and he went down to... Uh, the, 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 the grave, he went down to the grave for three days, to the underworld, if you will. And he had a meeting with the elders down there. Because every place has an entry point, right? And if, if, uh, if death has an entry point, if the grave has an entry point, then there's going to be somebody there at the entry point, right? And so when Jesus went to the grave, 
He went down to the, the elders down there, wherever it was. And he had a uh, meeting with them. And it wasn't a very long meeting. All Jesus said was, give me your keys. Give me the keys to your gates. And Jesus came up out of the grave with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And so Jesus now has the keys to those things so he can decide uh, who goes into that place and who doesn't. He has the keys to death, hell, and the grave, but um, uh, does he have the keys to your life? Does he have the keys to your home? And so that is why when Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, why? It cannot prevail. Why? Because Jesus has the keys. He's the one who controls the gates of hell, and he can say, they're not coming against the church. Why? All I got to do is go lock the door, and they're not going to get out because they don't have the keys of their own home. Satan does not have the keys of his own house. Jesus went down and he took the keys from Satan. And so when he says, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, uh, there's nothing the devil can do. He's not going to defeat the church. He cannot take down the church. He cannot destroy the church because he does not have the power to access it because Jesus took away the power. He took away the keys. He took away the sting of death. And so this is why in the last days, this is where we need to be. We need to be in the church of the living. God. We don't need to be out there roaming around in the world. We need to be inside the church with both feet planted in and say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying here because this is the safest place in the world is inside the church of the living God. And God's going to determine uh, the destiny of the church, and he can easily do that because he has the keys to the enemy's gates. And there's nothing that he can do about it. Uh, no matter how much he whines and complains, the devil has, uh, his door is open and he cannot close it. Can you imagine if your enemy had the keys to your front door? Maybe he does. I don't know. You're the one responsible. You have the key. If, if you've got all kinds of hell going on in your life, you need to check the front door of your life, of, of your home, right? Uh, who's got the key to your house? Uh, and you imagine the enemy has the key to your house. How would you feel about that? How would you be able to sleep at night? How would you be able, what kind of rest for your soul would you have knowing that you did not have the key to your house? Just even just in a natural sense. Tonight, you go home and you, you go, when you go to bed, open the front door and leave it open. How, how, how much sleep would you get? But nobody would be sleeping out. But we understand that in the physical, but how much more is it in the spiritual? The same things, if we're not guarding our door, if we're not guarding our house, what we're watching, what we're putting in, uh, we're just really leaving the door open for anybody to come in. And let me tell you, the devil will love an opportunity to come into your life uh, and to destroy things and to turn your world upside down. Uh, but if you're standing there at the front door and you you submit yourself to God, the Bible says the devil resists the 
devil and he will flee from you. That's where you need to make your stand at the door of your soul and the door of your heart because if you are submitted to God, he's not going to get into your life. Uh, he's not going to get into your home because you're resisting him under the authority of Almighty God that he's given you. You stand with me today. So we know that Jesus has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And if you don't have the keys to your own front door, then you're really not in charge, are you? You think you're in charge, but if you don't have the key, then you're not in charge. And so the devil does not have the keys, so he's not in charge. Doesn't matter how much he tries to convince you of how much power he has. The devil cannot do anything unless God gives him the green light. Uh, and so even if, if the devil does show up in your life, know that he's not there unless God has allowed them in there. And if he's allowed them there, then there's a purpose. There's something that God is trying to do in your life. Stir something up. Wake you up out of a spiritual slumber and say, hey, it's, time, it's high time. Now's the day of salvation. We need to make sure that we're awake and we're ready because this world is spinning out of control like never before. And now we need to make sure we're on guard of the door of our soul, the door of our home because it, why, uh, what a tragedy to live so, so long for God but at the very last minute let it all go being so close to the return of Jesus lose your keys at the very finish line that's not what God wants for every one of us and we know that Jesus has the keys to death hell and the grave but did you know that Jesus he allows you to get the keys to your enemy's gates. You may imagine having the, the key to the enemy of your life, the key to his front door. What would you do if you had that kind of key? Go and lock him in and make sure he never comes out, right? If you have the key, you have the power to do that, right? Genesis 22 and 17 says that in blessing, this is talking to Abraham, in blessing I will bless thee, in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as a sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. So the seed of Abraham, whoever that is, God has given them the authority to go possess the gate of his enemy. Now what happens if you possess the gate of the enemy? You can decide what goes in and out of that camp. You can decide what goes in and out of that city and you can uh, uh, lock them up and starve them up if you want because you can control the gates. If you control the gates, uh, then you control what goes in and out of that city. And imagine possessing the gate of your enemy. And Galatians 3 and 16 says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Which promises? To possess the gate of the enemy as long with many other promises. But the promise to Abraham's seed was that they would possess the gate of his enemies. And to seeds as of many but as of one and to thy seed which is Christ. And so the truth is that Jesus Christ is the true seed of Abraham. Because when he died he went down and he took the keys of death, hell and the grave. He possesses the gate of his enemies 
And so that's why he did that, and he took the keys that they were promised to him. If God said that this promise is for you, uh, you can go and walk and do it, because God has given you the authority and power to do that. So Jesus is the true seed of Abraham. Well, Galatians 3.27 says, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither, nor, neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. Nor, uh, ni- there is neither male nor female, but you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you uh, be Christ's, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And so there's a promise that God gave to Abraham that whoever your seed is, it doesn't matter, he doesn't care who the seed is, uh, whoever, whosoever will, there's a promise of blessing and there's a promise that you will possess the gate of your enemy. You have that a power and authority to do that. And so there's a promise waiting for you, and it's not just streets of gold, and it's not just heaven as your home, but since you are now the seed of Abraham because you put on Christ, you are baptized in Christ and uh, baptized in Jesus' name and filled with his spirit, now we are the seed of Abraham, and now you can march down to the gates of hell in your life and you can say, no more, devil. This ends today, devil. No more fear in my life. No more depression in my life. No more heaviness. Why? Because you're not allowed in here. I have been given the authority and power and dominion by the Jesus Christ. And so give me the keys to your gate and I can possess the gate of my enemy. And so we are the people of God, and we are, uh, whether we realize it or not, I'm here to remind us who we are today and what power and authority that we have been given. The devil does not have the key to our house. In fact, we have the key to his house, and that changes our perspective, doesn't it? Once you walk out of here today knowing that, hey, the devil cannot come in unless you allow him in, but, hey, you can go to the, you can go to the enemy's camp at any time, and you can start rebuking them, you can bind any kind of spirit uh, because God has given us the authority to do that and we need to remind ourselves who we are, that we should not be messing with these things, we should not be suffering, we should not be walking around depressed or heads down, no, we need to get the enemy out of our life, get him out of our home and out of our soul and go uh, kick them all the way back to where they come from and bind them in Jesus' name because we have the authority to possess the gate of our enemy. And so we are the people of God here to walk in victory and take authority and dominion over the things in your life. Maybe it's been a while since you've done that, but hey, today is the day we need to rebuild some things in our life and recommit and and uh, rebuild those gates and walls that we are the people of God. And we're, we're not sitting back and taking it any longer. No, we're going to rise up, we're going to push back, and we're going to rebuke the enemy and say, today is the day, enough is enough. Uh, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. I, I bind you in the name of Jesus because we have that power. We have that authority. Does anyone else believe that today? Amen. What is it that is bothering you in your life? 
what's been going on recently in your life and you're, you're not sure like what, what's going on here. Well, the first thing to do today is to resubmit ourselves to God, to get under his authority and to realize uh, what we have possession of, that we can go take possession of the gates of our enemies. And I don't know about you, but I, there's enough hell in this world. I don't need any more in my life or in my home. You, we have that a power to push them back and say, not here, devil. You can't come into this place. Uh, you don't have the authority or power to do that. But we do. We are the people of God. Man, so that's why we stay in Psalms 149. Let the high praises of God be in our mouth and a two-edged sword in our hand. Why? Because we have the authority to do that and say we need to take authority and dominion today over those things in our life that has uh, distracted us, that has uh, uh, discouraged us or uh, allowed other things in our life, fear and depression and, and all of these things. God did not give us those things. He did not give us a spirit of fear, but we have uh, the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And so I want to open up these altars today for the children of God that we're going to come down here and we're going to retake uh, the, the territory and reclaim anything that the devil has taken back. We're coming back for it, and we're going to recommit ourselves today and reconsecrate. Uh, will you come today? Will you bring the keys to your life uh, and make a commitment and say, God, uh, today is the day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better today. I may have not done well yesterday or last week, but hey, every day is a new day in Christ. Come on, we have the authority and power. Come on, what is it? Let's bring your problems today. Bring them down here. Lay them at the altar and pick up that authority and dominion that God has given you to say no. To say, not here, devil, not today. Surrender to him today. Come on, let's cry out to God. I just want to be God, help us, Lord, to be strong, to unite. Hallelujah. Come on. Take back what the enemy took from you. Take back that joy. I just want to be with you. Hallelujah, Jesus. I just want to be.
settle what the enemy has spoken. We've got promises and prayers. I just want to be with you.
Come on, let's shout with a voice of triumph. Come on, we have the victory in this place today. We're not going home defeated, but we're going home in victory. Hallelujah, we are the people of God. We have the authority and dominion to do such things. Hallelujah, we are an army rising up. Hallelujah. The Bible says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Man, we got to be ready to fight at any moment, at any time, and any calling because uh, we can push back. We are the force that can push back the enemy. Amen. We can't forget who we are. Amen. The enemy loves to discourage us and, and distract us. If we forget who we are, then he can have uh, more free reign, right? But hey, not today, not anymore. We're taking back what the enemy's taken from us. Amen. We're going to reclaim any lost ground in Jesus' name and go forward, amen, conquering uh, and doing the will of God. Amen. Amen. We want to uh, uh, remind you this week, coming up this week, this Friday, we want to uh, invite you all, as you know, to the late night prayer meeting. Uh, but this week, we want to prepare for that. Uh, we've got, uh, uh, we want to do a fast this week. Uh, and, and as we did before, there's three options. You can do a three-day fast, water only. You can do a 24-hour fast, water only. Or you can fast one meal a day for three days. Man, the enemy does not want us to fast. The enemy does not want us to draw closer to God and do what we're doing. But, hey, we're going to do it anyway because why? We got a calling. We got a purpose from God. Amen. And we're going to do that, and we're going to fight, and we're going to win this, aren't we? We're going to win the battle. Amen. We got to be willing to be sold out. Amen. And uh, we're going to see great things. So remember the fast this week, three days or one day or three meals one day, whatever you, you can do. Amen. Let's not take the easy way. Amen. Stretch ourselves a little bit. Uh, the, the more we sacrifice, the greater the uh, an outpouring will be. Amen. Amen. So God bless you all. You're dismissed today in Jesus' name. Amen. Any of those that have been asked to speak on Friday night, uh, we're going to have a brief meeting real quick over here. Uh, so we can gather over there, please. Thank you. God bless. Remember the bread. Remember to pray for those that are not here and those that are sick.